This show is live. It is 5.06 p.m. Central Time. Come on over to the Carrie, C-A-R-I, StoneShow.com if you're listening through One.fm. I'd love to have you come on over to the website. You can come in the chat room. You can interact with me, other listeners, as well as ask questions for our guest tonight. And my guest is Alan Watts. And Alan is an author, a singer, a songwriter. He's, he wears an awful lot of hats. And uh, we're going we're gonna to be talking about a lot of things tonight. And I've already told him. He's, he's highly intellectual. He's way above me. So he's already been warned. He has to talk to me like I'm four today. So I can understand what we're saying. <laughs> then I should be okay. Alan, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be on. It is. I, I am so happy to have you here. So do you want to, I'm going to leave it up to you to kind of um, more or less introduce yourself a little bit better than I can to um, our listening audience. Yeah, okay. I, I know I've done lots of different things, but I've always my whole life um, been aware uh, that things just didn't just evolve year by year whether it was in politics or anything else and very early on I made sure I got into the adult libraries to to look for old books that would give me clues as to history even recent history uh, and only to find that, that with every publication of a history book the facts completely get altered and that was the, the first part I said well, why would they keep changing and omitting things and giving us different stories and, uh, and then when I went into, uh, I, I knew big things were happening, especially in Britain uh, with the European Union, although initially it was, it was called an economic measure for trade only. And, uh, and yet, only later on to find in old books that uh, a department for complete integration of Europe had been set up in every European country uh, officially in 1948, although they signed the deal in 45, and the and only and true enough, only for a few years, three or four years ago, uh, the European Parliament now declassified this material and all the old plans, which have now been completed. And it said at the end that the public were not to be told of the truth of the complete merger until it was completed. So, uh, so generations were fooled uh, their entire lives, wondering why there was a, a depression after World War II in a lot of Europe, uh, not knowing why they were being deindustrialized, all their, their factories going out uh, of their country in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And yet this was all part of a plan signed way back at the end of World War II. Uh, not only that, uh, the next step was to be an integrated Pacific Rim region with China as a leader and eventually the policeman of the world. But in the meantime, the U.S. was to be the policeman of the world until it was completely merged with the whole of the Americas with a union there as well. So I, real, I always knew that, uh, and knowing it didn't help because you get the newspapers that would never mention um, the steps that were taking to completely merge the countries. The, and then I realized the media itself is an essential arm of cultural control, reality creation. It, it's, a, it's an arm of government. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I should. There's no... Are you talking about a marriage between the United States uh-huh. and China? Oh, no. The U.S. is, is to marriage with the whole of the Americas, Canada, Mexico, Chile, and then the rest of the get added in uh, down the road. Yeah. Ah, okay. With the, with the Far East, the Pacific Rim region, uh, they have to go together in a conglomerate with China as the, the, the boss, basically. And that includes Australia and New Zealand as well. So China is boss. I can't ever see that happening. Can you? It's already underway. Uh-huh. There's already, oh, oh, yeah, the, the Chinese, Chinese already have huge uh, fishing rights now and... Uh, um, fishing ports in New Zealand, and I believe there's some in Australia now. Yeah. So I, it, it just seems to me, though, if, if another and this is going to sound really bad, but if if another country gets too strong, it seems to me we just kind of pick a war with them and and go and take them out. It, it's not <laughs> even know? it's not even let them get too strong. You see, the agenda a long time ago was. And think tanks work for high levels of governments all the time, massive think tanks, always taking data, uh, sorting the data, predicting the future, because they they want to make sure that the dominant minority, as they call themselves at the top, uh, this this is the word used by Aldo Huxley, he says that the ones who are really powerful, the powerful families, they want to make sure that the world that their grandchildren will inherit will still be theirs, will still be held in the family lineage, they'll have the power. And they knew they could not ultimately keep having wars with each other, um, so they'd have to have um, a global society. And in the interim period of globalization, they'd have to standardize every country to be exactly the same system. They call it democracy. They'd also have to have the same um, flood of media to create the new religion that the West now has. That was part of because that's how you create uh, culture. It's religion, um, economics, um, a, a system of democracy, which is work, pay taxes, and shut up. Basically, that's what it is. Um, yeah. So, so, so this has been done all over the world. So, any antagonistic system that won't let go of their old ways, their old culture, and their old religion must forcibly be put under until they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And that's, um, as it's just an old, old plan. There's nothing new in it. Uh, they were discussing these things in the 1800s uh, in uh, very high groups in London and in other European countries. And... Um, uh, the World War One, in fact, was an attempt uh, to bring Europe to its knees through war and, and uh, suffering and loss of life, uh, and so that they would accept a union and maybe a world government. Uh, had, there was propagandist like H.G. Wells that was known for his science fiction, but he wrote mainly non-fiction for the Fabian Society, which was granted a charter by the Queen or the King at the time. So basically he worked for the, the, the high elite British government and he, he wrote in his own books that this war, the Great War as it was called then, the First World War, um, hopefully would bring uh, everyone to their knees till they would accept global government. And that's why they set up the League of Nations. Now the public weren't quite ready for that so they had a Second World War and then they brought up the United Nations 
and that's the purpose of the United Nations is to eventually take over as a, a world government and it's written in lots of their old books yeah. okay mm -hmm. so what okay so where are we where are we at right now what's going on well help me understand here remember talk to me like I'm for with this because all this politics and stuff like this I've never been into politics so. yeah yeah I'm learning, and and that's why I wanted you here. I want you to, uh, I want I want to get your point of view on this stuff. Yeah, well, the, you see, there's no. I don't even believe in politics either. Politics is for the people to play at, um, and to mislead you, because there are no separate parties. There's only one big world club, and uh, they give you a choice of what multimillionaires do you want to vote for, this side or that side. Uh, they, all, they all belong to the same club, and there's family dynasties, as we know too. Um, and, and the agenda from the United Nations, this old agenda of creating a three-block world, a United Europe, United Americas, and a Pacific Rim region, as I say, goes back to the 1800s when it was first uh, put forward. Karl Marx put it forward in first, uh, the first time in the 1800s. So this is a, a plan. We don't live through politics. We live an agenda. There's only one agenda. Uh, they write about it, they publish their agenda, the big groups that are involved in it will always publish it somewhere for the public to see, but the public never want to believe it. That's, mm -hmm. that's the amazing thing about it. It's like prior to 9-11, the New American Century, a club that Wolfowitz and Cheney, Rumsfeld and all the rest of them, the Bushes all belong to, wrote about the necessity of taking over first Afghanistan, then Iraq, uh, then Iran, then Syria. But they needed something on a Pearl Harbor scale to motivate the American public to go along with the war. And, and lo and behold, bingo, they won the Jack Prize. And, and they get what they want. I mean, how many people have this kind of luck all the time? Well, let me ask you this. What do you think? Um, I had uh, Alfred Weber on yesterday, and we were talking about 911, the conspiracy theory. Yeah. And uh, we were discussing how, you know, um, even the planes that supposedly crashed into the, the um, Twin Towers, they both actually landed. It was different planes that mm -hmm. crashed. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's a thousand uh, theories out there. There's a thousand theories. But the bottom line is, uh, for these guys to count on something happening, uh, supposedly started from a country they wished to invade in the first place, happening on cue when they wanted it is an impossibility. You don't get that kind of luck, even if you try to win the lotto by spending lots of money every week, you know. You just don't well, win do it. Do you think government did that? Effort? I think, I, the, way, the way I watched this video, which was called uh, Loose Change, and I mean, it, it, it totally looked like our government did this. I mean, it was, yeah. it was our government did this to start the war. It was an absolute necessity. That's what we do know, to start the war. They wanted to go in, they wrote about it, they published the New American Century format twice in the 1990s. As I say, starting with uh, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Syria. And, uh, and even Brzezinski, Zygmunt Brzezinski, wrote the Grand Chessboard. He's a big player, he's been a big advisor and lots of different presidents. 
and he wrote in there that same thing we need something on a peril scale type um, um, size to motivate the public to go along with a war that said that's what it would take and, and bingo they get what they want Suppos- supposedly by a guy who's living in a cave in Afghanistan you know right uh, I mean, right. yeah, so, and they also, then it comes out that we had troops on the borders waiting to go into Afghanistan long before the, the, the towers went down. Yeah. I mean, how much do we need here? <laughs> well, I think it's kind of funny how they didn't, you know, they couldn't find him. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. when he's been, you know, a lot of his money has funded a lot of stuff for the Bushes. Um, well, that day, it be a CBC special in Canada. That's the national television news. And they did a documentary special on the relationship of the Bush family and, and the Leyden family. And um, the day the, the towers went down, Daddy Bush... Now, Daddy Bush, remember, was not only a president, he was also, before that, he was a head of the CIA for years. Daddy Bush was meeting with his business partners, the, the Leyden family, in New York, in a different area of New York, that very day the towers were hit. And the reason, the reason they were a conglomerate, they were an actual, you know, completely merged with the Leyden family, this, this business, is that the, the, the CIA had used uh, the Leyden family for many years to build uh, bomb-proof shelters and so on for uh, elite wealthy families, allies across in the, the Middle East and elsewhere. And here's the odd thing. You see, prior to that happening in, in, in 9-11, that, those towers were attacked before, remember, quite a few years before. And bombs went off, supposedly, and they, they went in to repair and re-structure uh, uh, the building, make it bomb-proof. You know who got the contract from the U.S. government to do that? Oh. The, the Ben Laden family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have known. The, the Bush, the Bush Laden family. Yeah, they did it. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, isn't that something? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, remember the next day after 9/11, no aircraft across the whole continent was allowed to fly except military aircraft. Right. Except they made right. one exception, and that was to, fu- to, to fly uh, the rest of the Laden family out of the states. Uh, all the way back to Saudi Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabia. That's her home base, really. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's let's send them back home, and then we'll tell everybody we're going to go get them and kill them. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just a complete farce. Yeah, uh, these guys yeah. all work together. Uh, there are no sides in anything. The guys who do the fighting don't know that. The guys at the top do. They're all they're all a brotherhood right. at the top. Yeah. You know what I think? I just think we should have George Bush get out there and do some fighting himself. I think so. I think so. He should yeah. put his shorts on and a pair of boxing gloves. Yeah, he'll show them. Mm-hmm. He'll show them. That's right. That's right. He'll, he, he could do it all, and um, we, we can give him a, a jelly roll if he wins. You know, something like that. Yeah. Or maybe a marshmallow. Maybe a marshmallow. Maybe a marshmallow. Yeah. I think so. Oh my goodness. Or maybe uh, maybe maybe a balloon, a few a couple of balloons. <laughs> really? Yes. A pretty color. <laughs> and he can go home to mummy. Yeah. Mhm. And leave us all in peace. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Oh, that's, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're a you're a very very big uh, George Bush fan, huh? Oh, I just love them. I mean, I, I dote on them. Uh, I grab the gossip columns to see how they're all doing and. <laughs> 
twins. Yeah. You got to keep up with the twins. What's going on with the girl? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. I, 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 it's just amazing to watch these dynasties that have been so interbred for so long. Uh, that have made their piles of money through, I don't know if you know that the Bushies and, and even the Kerrys and all the rest of them made their money. They're all from the skull and bones, high Freemasonry groups, the elite groups in the U.S. Uh, so uh, they all made a fortune, not already had a fortune, but they made more of a fortune when they were dumping the opium into China with the opium wars uh, to get all the people addicted, you know. Uh, that's where they made millions and millions of dollars. And that's so historical how fact. Did, how did that go about? How did that take place? Well, uh, they, they wanted, to, you see, the Western powers, the big businesses, and the big dominant minority, again, that means the wealthy ones who run the system, wanted uh, the wealth of China. China was almost a closed shop. It didn't want what they saw as contamination of the West. And they didn't want to trade very much at all, uh, if any. And so the West basically... Uh, started dumping bales of uh, opium uh, along with the East India Company which is a sort of royal chartered company uh, from Britain where only the royalty and the upper members of royalty and the nobles have shares so it's basically a royal company or royal corporation they dumped bales of this stuff the size of you've seen the, the straw they give to horses the big bales and, and they would dump hundreds of these on the shores every night and, uh, and they'd, they'd pay some of the, the locals to start bringing it in, into the interior of China to get the people addicted to opium and um, cause such a furor because drugs is a, a tremendous technique they have or done through the ages to destroy a country. Once that happened, they moved in, you know, and they set up an American quarter with the U.S. military and they had a, a British quarter and some other quarters and they, they looted the country, basically. They looted it. So, so first they, they destroyed the population by, by addicting them to opium. And then they started taking the wealth of the country out. Yeah. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. From what I have heard doing this show, um, our military, um, how can I say this, has, has a tendency... I don't want. I don't want to word this incorrectly. Um, drug trafficking. I think our military mm-hmm. knows about drug trafficking and and how it's actually being done. Yeah. Oh, they know but because they bring it in. Them. Yeah, but they bring oh. it in. Uh, I've read articles from people who've been in the Green Beret, who worked on on these projects. One of them eventually went to the Coast Guard. I read a, an article out a newspaper. They got me into trouble. Yahoo yanked the site for a weekend, and uh, and um, yeah, this guy he couldn't understand why certain incoming boats uh, that they knew were were full of drugs were allowed through, and he explains how it happened. Uh, the captain would radio back to the U.S. to the admiral. They'd tell him, "Let it go, let it come through," you know, and they were letting the drugs in. There's no, even in South America, lots of people knew that within South America, um, where the drugs are basically made, certainly cocaine is made, um, the CIA have been heavily involved in that for, for a long, long time. You'll find special air service from Britain working there, some of the most sad. Every, every secret service agency in the world 
is down there to, to make sure the drugs come out and get to where they're going. Because when you make war on a population, you, you take that population down. You don't want it to be intelligent. You don't want it to be sentient. You want it to be drugged, happy, and, and pretty, pretty stupid. And that's a standard uh, warfare technique nowadays. And they were doing that on, in, the, in the United States and other countries too. The whole 60s, 70s era to do with drugs and rock and roll was all part of that, that deal. So what about, um, like, Iraq right now? Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they passing them out over there? Yeah, well, Iraq, for instance, um, it's a, they're trying to, what the U.S. is trying to do in Britain is to, well, they've already put their own puppet government in their approved government is supposed to represent the people, which is a joke. And, uh, and they're still getting, uh, of course, the, 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 um, the Iraqis know darn well what the purpose is going on. They know their culture will eventually be altered to the West. They don't want our culture. It's not our culture anyway. It was given for us and given to us. And they, don't, they, they know it's a destructive lifestyle, and they want to keep their own uh, ways of life and their own religion. And customs, mm-hmm. yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, because um, I was going to say, if they're passing out drugs over there, it doesn't seem to be working just too well. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of Muslim law. They're, they're, they don't take drugs and so on. So they'll try everything they can. The UNESCO from the United Nations, uh, they were the first ones in once that uh, a certain area came. And UNESCO's function is to get the first generation of children trained in what they call democracy or the Western values. And it will take about 20 years for them to grow up and be in the younger bureaucrats who will take over uh, to bring in the Western culture. So this is how it's all planned. These guys plan the future in very long-range type planning. This is nothing new at all. So, okay, this... When when do you see this war being over? Because I I personally don't um, I don't understand it. You know, if they didn't find the weapons of mass destruction. Well, what mass destruction? It's mass destruction. It's gone, mm-hmm. and we don't seem to be leaving. And we no. seem to be losing more and more. You know, people over yep. there. Mm-hmm. And uh, this has got to end. It's got to end. Yeah, we're all sick of it. I mean, the, I think people are, are, are catching on now to this uh, agenda. And they know, and, and Britain said it, you know, Britain was in Iraq a long time too, long ago. And they were told you won't be out of there for 30, 40 years. Because it'll take that long to get a whole so-called copycat Western system of government set up. Because they have enough patsies to run it. Um, so they know that it's there for the long haul. As far as the, the American lives getting lost, they don't care. They, they don't. Psychopaths at the top of governments don't care about ordinary people. Whether, whether they come from your country or someone else's country, they don't care. You're just a tool. Yeah. I've also heard that you know they want to thin out the population. Yes, they do. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's true too. Um, Authentic well, the population, I would not like to be one of these soldiers because they get pumped full of all kinds of inoculations. They have no idea what they're for. 
and part of think tanks years ago talked about uh, especially after the Vietnam era they were worried about trained troops coming home when America started to suffer from what was really a, a recession or a depression the, the economy started going down they didn't want they were kind of scared of all these armed or, or at least uh, trained uh, ex-soldiers um, being let loose because they could, they could form you know, a, an opposition in times of crisis and so you notice with the Gulf War the first Gulf War in the 90s that was Gulf War Part 1 and they give us Part 2 now and um, they had the Gulf War illnesses and I'm certain that's from inoculations not, not all the nonsense uh, distractions they've told us about this was in the papers here the troops were coming back uh, and some of the Canadian ones too one woman, all her hair fell out, her teeth got loose. Um, we know there was genetic malformations in the structure, the bodily structure of their offspring when they were born. Um, so we know that they were heavily dosed with different things, but I think it wasn't just the depleted uranium that's been used in the, to coat the shells that they, they, they fire. I, I think it's also the inoculations. And so those people can be very fit for maybe four or five years then they start to go downhill quickly when they're back into civilian life and that makes them neutralized they're of no opposition and a future threat to the people back home you see so do you know what they are being inoculated for do you know anything about these vaccines well all you have with any vaccine is what you're told exactly uh, so it boils, it boils down to a belief system it's, it's a belief system where you have no ability to test that vaccine to see what is in it. Even the doctors don't have that ability. They, they take it all, it's all a faith-based thing. You get a little vial that will say whatever it says, and you take that on faith. And it's injected into you, and then you get sick, you know, down the road. Um, I know they've given them what they claim are anthrax and various other warfare-type um, inoculations. But we'll never really know what they really are. But we certainly do I see the effects. They, uh, you have a DVD out on vaccines too, don't you? I've, I've done talks on vaccines on, on some uh, on bits of, of a DVD I've got out. Yeah, not not the whole thing, but it'd be so long because uh, the vaccine. Really, the history of vaccinations uh, is a, a horror show. Um, they did studies, and it's from the. It's from the British Medical Journal, for instance. They got records of the first inoculations they gave way back in the 1800s to the British public. And there's one big test that they gave out for about 140 odd thousand uh, inoculations were given out against smallpox. And the only ones who got a disease and died were the ones that got inoculated. So they were given a disease. Yeah, that kind of goes along with, as far as I'm concerned, um, every time I've ever gotten a flu shot, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I get really sick after the flu shot every uh-huh. single time. So, yeah. I, well, I did it twice. I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's got mercury there uh, in it, too, thimerosal. Uh, that's that's deadly stuff, mercury. You're lucky to get rid of it out of your system. It goes to the brain, too. It's a heavy metal. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's, that's not a good thing, is it? No, and it's classed as a poison. Yeah. Yeah. 
see, when you, when you start looking at what they're really giving you, you say, wait a minute here. Is this yeah. to help me or is there other, some other agenda at work? And then when you go well, back into... Yeah, they, they don't ever really tell you what's in huh? any of the vaccines they're giving you. Oh, yeah. this is a flu shot. Oh, this is for chickenpox. This is mm-hmm. for polio. This is for this. That's right. What's in it? Yeah. Uh, just a live strand of polio or chickenpox or whatever, so your body can fight it off. It's weekend, you know, and mm-hmm. that's all you get. That's what you're told. I know. And, and yet, go to any pharmacist, and there are certain medications to give patients for skin, that have skin cancer and ask for the, the printouts on side effects and, and warnings, contraindications, and so on. And you'll, and, and you'll find in these, these contraindications, um, if you're, you're taking this medication for skin cancer, um, don't go near anyone who's recently had a polio vaccine, vaccine shot because you might come down with polio. Now, if it's a weakened strain of polio they're injecting into someone, how come someone is liable to come down with it if, if their immune system's weakened, if they just be a passerby even? Huh? Yeah, it doesn't make really? logic. It's not logical sense, but that's official. That's, you can get that at any pharmacy, I'll tell you. Yeah. Now, okay, tell me again. Who is it who shouldn't go by anybody who just had a polio shot? If he just had what? There's certain drugs which um, are cytotoxic drugs which, which bring down your immune response system. Okay. So they use it for fighting skin cancers, certain drugs. And you'll find on these drugs the contraindications and so on and the warnings you know don't go near anyone who's recently had a polio vaccination because you might contract for polio so who, who would you know what do you what you know it's like we're supposed to start wearing signs that oh i had a polio shot exactly exactly yeah exactly yeah and then the same thing with with the uh, uh, measles mumps and rubella vaccines they give to the children you can follow the statistics measles mumps and rubella they call it mm-hmm. the triple shot, and and, right. and and the polio vaccine they're given earlier and earlier, and you you look at when they get, they get it, the symptoms of autism always kick in within a month after getting the shots. Yeah. Always. Oh yeah, usually. Uh-huh. Oh, way usually way before that. Yes. You know, I mean, my daughter used to. I would give her Motrin when she was tiny and had all her shots. I always gave her Motrin right afterwards because. If I didn't, she'd start to run a really high fever. Mm-hmm. And they will, they will even tell you that. Give them Motrin, give them, mm-hmm. you know, Tylenol, give them something, because otherwise the fever's going to start. Mm-hmm. Well, where's it going to go from there yeah. if you let that fever go? You know what I mean? And the thing is, you see, autism used to be incredibly rare. It was very rare. And autism used to show basically from birth onwards. Uh, the mm-hmm. child didn't go through the usual milestones up to saying Dada and Mama. Uh, however, this is different. Uh, this is always after the inoculations around the age of two. Um, within two weeks to a month after the big fever, they suddenly notice there's a dullness in the child's eyes. It's not, it doesn't seem to be following with the eyes. It doesn't say dad or it's going backwards. And this is standard now. Now, they've, they've done uh, studies uh, in different U.S. states and they've looked at the statistics of autism and it's pretty well identical with the amount of, of shots they're giving out at the same time over that same period. So there's, there's no doubt about it. This is linked. The, you know, you, this is it. And then when you go back to the old books on depopulation from the big boys that wrote them, the Bertrand Russells, 
uh, the Arthur Kesslers, all the different people, the, the Charles Galton Darwins. Now, these are big movers and, and players in this field of world uh, power. Uh, they all talked about ways of bringing down the population. And also, part of it was to make them manageable and stupid during big changes that were coming, world changes. And, uh, and, and one of the methods they mentioned... Um, uh, Charles Galton Darwin and others was possible could inoculate it into them as the, as the most straightforward, easy method to make sure they all had it. Uh, Kessler, who worked for the United Nations and wrote a book called um, The Ghost in the Machine. Now, the Ghost in the Machine, by the way, is you and your sentient being, your, your conscious person, you. And he talked about a way to, to inject something into the body uh, that was made in a, a, a biochemical warfare laboratory that would literally pick up on certain um, minerals and so on in your system and go straight to receptors in particular parts of the brain to lobotomize it. And this, the symptoms, of course, would be fever and all the rest of it. Then you would go backwards. You'd start going backwards, basically. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't progress. So they use these guys putting all these books out on it, all belonging to the eugenic societies, for depopulation and uh, you're, now you're watching the same symptoms that they described appear all around us now autism is normal <laughs> it's normal uh, child gets fever where's the fever based it's in the head <laughs> every doctor's trained every doctor's trained to tell mummy uh, don't worry there'll be a little fever and it'll pass off in a few days you see why should there be a little fever and it'll pass? And why is it targeting the brain, you see? But when you have high yeah. fever in any part of a tissue, uh, you have loss of cells, healthy ones too. You right. see, that's, that's logic. It's also known fact. And here they are. Why don't they just say, you know, we're going to give you, your child, this injection, this this vaccine and um, autism all at the same time. Yes, that yes, okay? that's right. And you know, if they did say that, the people wouldn't believe them. Well, I can tell you I wouldn't give my child the vaccine then. Mm -hmm. I would believe them. Mm -hmm. If, if mm -hmm. somebody said something to me like that, there's, there's, you know, I wouldn't play with my child's health. And I think mm -hmm. you wouldn't either, would you, Alan? <laughs> no, no, no way, no way. But you see, this is the thing that they've the trained the public uh, and, and it was Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell, who wrote many books on all of this. Uh, he, he said, we are creating a world where the average person will have no opinion of their own. Uh, it will be given to them by experts. They'll turn to experts for all their, their advice. And that's how they're going to run the lives of the people. And that's happened. You see, that's happened. The media and the major news is there to do our thinking for us now. We don't do our own thinking. We parrot what the media tells us. When they tell us to worry about something, think about something, or gossip about something, we do. And so we've all been trained with that television tube to not think for ourselves. And people now really trust. They really have grown up with the big anchor newsmen, and they trust what they say. You know, That's why they keep them until they're really old. You grow up with them. It's like, it's like daddy. Is there every night at six o'clock? Yeah. Really no, let me. Do you watch the news? Do you? I try. I'm allergic to it. I have an allergy to news. <laughs> I don't like it. I won't watch mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I, I do my best to avoid. I mean, yesterday I didn't know about uh, 
you know, at the Virginia University what had happened there until yep. almost 9 o'clock at night when I finally turned on TV and I was looking through the channels. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But um, I didn't know about it yeah. until then. And, and, you know, that's the thing is they go so, and, and, and I, I'm not trying to take anything away from this because what happened is horrible. It's a, it's a horrible tragedy. Mm-hmm. But why can't they do an all-day coverage on something that's really good happening in this world? Mm-hmm. Just one. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't care if it's a little kid who wins a blue ribbon at the fair on a tractor pull. Yeah. You know what I mean? He pedaled his little legs off and he won. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the kind of stuff I want to hear about. Yeah, well, what they're doing, see, this, now they're creating a, a crisis of fear. Uh, there's a big push on to get everyone ID'd. Uh, see, the, the United States hasn't quite got the complete ID card yet, and they want it rammed through. And it's, I've always noticed in the U.S., whenever they need something done, something happens just right on the spot to, make, to give them the impetus to do it. When Bill Clinton wanted to put down or through the whole anti-terrorism bill, basically, uh, before 9-11 even happened, he couldn't get it through. And that weekend, lo and behold, boom, up goes Columbine. It wasn't Columbine. It was the Oklahoma City bombing. And they, they, they rammed it through with the next, next sitting. They always get what they want because they make it happen. Right. It, yeah. We have a, I have a question in the chat room, and this guy's kind of chop, chopping at the bit with this question, and it's cool. Mm-hmm. And he says, we're getting back to Iraq and the war over there. Mm-hmm. Why, don't we just drop bottom, why don't we just drop the bomb on them and be done with it, is what mm-hmm. he wants to know. Um. Well, why doesn't he go and do it? Why, why doesn't he go over and take it there? <laughs> there you go, cool. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I like the fuse before he leaves the shores. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's just it. It's, it's, you know, it's very easy, easy to say, let's just go drop a nuclear bomb on him. But it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's easier said than done. But, but who's we? This is what this, I, this, I could this. not be the mm-hmm. person who pushed that button. Yeah. There are too many innocent people. What are you doing to the planet? What are you thinking doing yeah. this stuff? And, and then again, you see, Joe, Joe Average, who obviously doesn't have a mind, um, somehow thinks it's we. We have no say in what's going on. What, I mean, why do we not go over? We are, who's we? We have no say. We are not the, the military. Uh, we, we are not the, the, the military-industrial complex. Uh, no, we, we, we don't even have a complaints department for anything. So I, I don't know what we he's talking unless he, unless it's one some guy from the Pentagon that's phoning you. <laughs> and I doubt I that. George Bush in there is cool. Oh, hello, George. How are you? <laughs> and have a nice day. I'm sending some balloons down now. Oh boy, balloons. Mm-hmm. Oh, in, in the shape of little oil cans for him. Yeah, he loves his oil. Yes. And oh, yeah. That would work. Well, they're made, I think that rubber is actually artificial. It's made from byproducts of oil. So that will make his day. <laughs> Until he bites them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, we have, we have about two minutes before we go to break. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell everybody how they can find more about uh, Alan Watt on the Internet. Where are you and, and what, what kind of products do you have to sell? I only sell what I make. I don't have advertising of any kind because I'm not, I'm not a business. And uh, the, the, see, there's a patriot business, and I'm not part of the business. 
It makes lots of money and it lives off terror and fear. Uh, I put out stuff that's relevant and pertinent to the people who are alive now and up and coming, uh, their children hopefully. So they can see me at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and net and a few other ones and the new one which is uh, international for Europe. Uh, sentient, sent, Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel dot EU and uh, okay. more stuff's going up there yeah yeah. I, I try to get information out rather than sell gimmicks and fear based products yeah. <laughs> now you've got some CDs and stuff over there don't you? yeah there's, there's uh, CDs there too on ancient histories religions how they started, how uh, it's worked, what they mean, um, techniques of mass control through religion and, and so on. Uh, so oh, I can't believe that would ever happen. <laughs> yeah. No, they'd never do that, no. No, and, uh, I, I just can't believe that. I, no, you're pulling my leg on that one. No. Mm-hmm. So we are going to take a break. And we will be back in just a few minutes. You are listening to the Carrie Stone Show on One.fm, the Paranormal Channel. Welcome back to the Carrie Stone Show. If you would like to join me in the chat room, come on over to thecarriestoneshow.com. Carrie Stone, C-A-R-I. If you are listening through One.fm, you're welcome to come over to the chat room, or the website, I should say, and join us in the chat room. You can also listen live from my website. And uh, we've got a lot of great people in there. Interesting conversation going on in there right now. I'm not going to say what it is. If you want to know, you got to come over to the website. And uh, the show is live. We are. I am now uh, airing from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. I don't know why I keep referring to myself as we. I guess it would be me and my guests. That's why. So I'm gonna. I'm just gonna leave it at that too. <laughs> And uh, tonight I have Alan Watt with me. And as I said, the show is live. It is April 17th, 6.06 p.m. Central Time. And everybody, again, is welcome to come into the chat room over at CarrieStone.com, thecarriestoneshow.com. Come on over. If you do have any comments, questions, or concerns, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you know somebody that you'd like to have as a guest on this show, you can email me at thecarriestoneshow at yahoo.com. And uh, I always get back to everybody. So if you do have any anything you'd like to say to me, paranormal-wise, <laughs> or about the show or who you'd like to have on the show, um, you know, let me know. And uh, I'm pretty approachable. It's easy enough to do. Thecarriestoneshow at yahoo.com. Alan, welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so glad you are here, and I've been enjoying your conversation on air and off. Um, Alan, let's let's talk a little bit about what the future holds for us. Mm-hmm. The future is quite interesting because we don't have to guess about it. It's been published. This is this is what's so good about the future. Um, as opposed to the past, they tidy up and, and hide in history books the past, but they publish what they're going to do with the future. And the future, the way it's going right now, for a, a global society uh, with a new way of living, they've, they've told us there's going to be a new way of living where the people will be born to serve the state, the world state, basically. Um, 
is not too too happy in some ways, although uh, it's also being sold that it could be made to be happy through artificial means. And by that, they're talking about all things from brain chips, which comes from the Ministry of Defence in Britain in the recent Guardian article, uh, which can stimulate certain chemicals in your brain and make you happy, happy, happy all the time, no matter what you're doing. And, of course, it also fits into the whole New Age phenomena where, oh, they've had about a hundred years of building up the New Age religion where we'll all be one, you know, this concept of oneness and where you'll all be interconnected. Well, we will be, but not in the way that people imagine. We'll be interconnected in that uh, central computers will be running our lives for us. Other people will do, be doing the programming, but technically we will, we will not be individual conscious beings anymore. And, and that was published at Loyola University in Louisiana at the World Science Meeting. They say they have these chips ready to go. All they have to do now is get the public to accept them. So they're going to promote it through movies and novels and so on to make it exciting. But the real function is to uh, control people and manage their lives. Um, and the, the, the man from Japan, the scientist from Japan, uh, who worked on this chip said, uh, it will no longer be the world as we know it. He says, think more like the beehive. Uh, he said, you'll hear the buzzing of voices as the computer uh, signals other peoples around you and you'll, you'll hear the messages of their thoughts going through you back to the machine and when he said that I thought he's talking about the Borg in Star Trek and that's exactly yeah. what it is because the Star Trek series um, was, was predictive programming that was to get us used to an idea which we then accept and this is the future that, that not only is planned these guys are deadly serious because when the Ministry of Defense which is like the Pentagon it gives out to the public this report on their plans uh, for the near future. They're deadly serious. And, and they're not saying we'd like to develop this chip. This chip is ready. It's done. Mm. And now all they have to do now is to make it appealing to the public. And there's two ways to do that. One is to keep promoting the oneness aspect, which started with really... Carl Jung wasn't the first one to do top of the universal consciousness, but he was promoted to do it. There were others. And um, to make it something that appeals to people, we'll all be one, you know. And, and the second way is to make life so hard or, or, or scary for the public with uh, poverty or whatever, or threats of terrorism, that eventually, like a, like a tranquilizer, uh, it can be sold to you uh, as stimulating certain hormones and so on from your brain, which will act like tranquilizers. But one way or another, they can sell this to you, either through getting you to accept it uh, and consent to it voluntarily, or else by making you so afraid of everything you'll want some relief and you'll take it at any cost so this is what's on the, the cards you see the war has nothing to do with really the Middle East is a small part of this war this is a war of the world this is the final war to standardize the one system of what they call democracy worldwide 
and it's not to stay like that it's to, it's to then evolve into its next step uh, of global government where there'll be servants and masters and the oligarchy at the top uh, this has been put out by the major players who work for the oligarchy some of them are members of the oligarchy these people are not elected to any office but they have more power than any government you know. so they're not kidding they've been at this for a long time working towards it and they gave us the whole new age phenomena uh, to believe in because they, had to, they said they'd have to create a new religion for the world um, to bring all the cultures into this new religion and they put lots of big players out there uh, beginning with Madame Blavatsky in the 1800s uh, eventually her organization was given a Masonic charter so this Masonic is pre-Masonic in origin and uh, she said Blavatsky herself who was more of an actress a front person as they always are um, she said our job is to blend uh, people, people would call spirit with science to cross the barriers and merge the two and I'm sure she herself had no idea uh, that out would come this report of a brain chip that literally will connect you with everyone else but you will be in turn controlled by a computer so science and spirit if the essence of you as a person the totality of you is actually spirit you see they've crossed that barrier yeah Mm-hmm. So you're looking at, at worldwide slavery, which they at the top call efficiency. Efficiency, more efficient human beings to serve them better. Yeah. So uh, you, see, I just, I, I just find it so hard to believe that would happen, but then I also found, find it very hard to believe that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. how 911 went down, too. Uh-huh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. when, do you see, when do you see this uh, new world order taking place? Well, um, I know that by 2010, the governments, uh, this, this was their agenda, and this was the free trade negotiations This came out of it at the time, through Shelley Ann Clark, who wrote up all the, the negotiation books for the Canada-U.S.-Mexico free trade agreement. And she came out publicly afterwards and said that they sold everything out by 2005. They would, they would uh, admit to the public that there was a unification in process. Sure enough, in 2005, uh, the three amigos met down at Waco and signed the unification deal. But by 2010, uh, they want a United Americas with a new government for at least the U.S., Canada, and Mexico with the rest to follow. Now, they even mentioned at the time of the free trade negotiations back in the 80s, remember, in the early 90s, and then NAFTA's came along in the 90s, they mentioned that Montreal could be the, the new Brussels of the America. Well, Brussels is where they set up the European Parliament, the brand new one for, for the whole of Europe. So Montreal was going to be targeted for the one for the Americas. And so this is all, you know, this is all from the top. Um, these guys don't make suggestions, they make plans and they always follow through with them. And this is, where can we find this? This is written where? I've got a, a, a lots of documentation on my website, my talks and so on. 
Okay, um, and uh, let's let's give me your website again. Let everybody know where they can find you mm-hmm. on the web and information. You can go through uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's also the, the net and org, and um, they can also find me at Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel EU. That's a new and uh, international site for Europe. Uh, we're just going into different languages for different peoples of Europe, uh, different translations of my, the transcripts I have of all the shows. Mm-hmm. And so uh, as I'm trying to get the word out to the public now because they've got to know what's really going on here. Uh, this isn't a matter of us voting in politicians. That doesn't really happen. Uh, these guys are vetted, trained, and picked long before we even know their names. We have an agenda, so, you know, so uh, there is an oligarchy, I too. I think it's so funny because George Bush ruined every business that he tried to mm-hmm. create or run. Yeah. And now, so so why would he be hand-picked to be the president? And he, because of how intelligent he is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, he's, he's not bad. He's not bad when he reads his script. <laughs> but when he gets off that script, he says some amazing things. Little Georgie, he he does. He he can't put a surprises himself, you know. Yeah. He has no, he's like me. He has no filter and doesn't know what's going to come out next until it's there. And then there's that stupid look on his face. Well, we have a comedy show in Canada. It's called Twenty Two Twenty Two Minutes. You see, and uh, this guy from the comedy show went down with a CBC microphone when George was running for the second term. And uh, he was coming out of some talk where he'd given his very speech. And the fellow shouted over to him as, as George was shaking hands, and George looked at him. He says, I'm from the sea, I'm from Canada. And mm-hmm. I, I was just to let you know that our Prime Minister, our Prime Minister, um, uh, Mr. He says, Mr. Putin, uh, uh, thinks you're the best man for the job. Now, this guy had been president. This was his second time, right? You should have known who the guy to the north was, right? You'd think. And, and what George, George stopped in his tract, he beamed all over. He says, well, you tell, he says, oh, he was really so happy. You tell Mr. Putin, he says, that, 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 that thanks very much. I'm glad he's got so much confidence. I'll live up the yaddy. Yeah? Putin from the French and from Montreal means his French fries covered in cheese. That's what Putin means. I kid you not. Yeah, French fries, cup and cheese, poutine. That's why we did not elect that man. <laughs> that's right, that's true. So that, that just shows you, you see, these guys do what they're told, they read their scripts, they have the best Hollywood writers writing their scripts for them. Um, the, the script writers are more important because they are not elected. They're not elected by anybody. Uh, they're appointed. Anyone who's appointed yeah, yeah, to... by the Supreme Court, yeah. Yeah, and those characters have more power because they know the agenda. They work and they're trained by those who train those for the agenda. And they make sure they write all the right speeches and so on. So prime ministers and so on are, are, are almost front actors that do what they're told. Now, Tony Blair's different, Tony Blair in Britain, because uh, he's an Oxford guy. Oxford has a Rhodes Scholarship the Rhodes Scholarship trained Bill Clinton and others for world government to, to create world government that's what Rhodes Scholars are taught you see that's why it was set up and Tony at least gives better speeches without reading the script all the time 
and he waves his hands a lot, which is more impressive. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're so proud of George Bush. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to say, hide. <laughs> so, um, we're, we're, okay. So you think we're headed for this new world order where we're mm-hmm. pretty much going to be slaves. Yes. Um, right. You know, I mean, uh-huh. drones, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, you know, George Bush, George Bush Sr., when he was president, was the first one to come forth with the, the term openly to Americans when he says, I see a new world order coming into view. Uh, that was big. It was all over the newspapers when he was in office. That was in 1991 on September the 11th. Mm. He gave that speech. Uh-huh. And he, he kept talking about this new world order, and uh, and he never explained in detail because it's a Masonic term. It's, it's, it's the uh, the completion of the great work, as they call it, which right. uh, being an international brotherhood, their job was to bring the world into oneness. You see, uh, with this natural order of of the more intelligent, those who are fit to rule, ruling all the lesser types. Uh, that's really what it's about because Freemasonry when you go up the ranks is nothing more than a very high form of Hinduism that believes um, in superior types and inferior types and uh, it's the right of the superiors uh, to rule the inferior that's what it's all about it's a religion basically mm-hmm. yeah. now let's, let's talk about your latest book mm-hmm yeah. And uh, it is it is uh, called. Oh, let's see. Help me out here. It's to do. Esoteric, yeah. unveiled, and the meaning of revolutions in the high Masonic. And, 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 and revelations, not revolutions. Although that's in there too. <laughs> revelations. Yes, I, I can't even read my own writing. You should see those chicken scratches on there. <laughs> Well, but yeah, uh, tell, me, tell, me, tell me what it's about. Yeah, I, I go through uh, the, the, the the higher meanings of what most people call astrology, and, and give you it. And, and I also associate with it with biblical Bibles, uh, different religious books, because they all have the same meanings and all are the same religion, big religious books. There's an esoteric contained in all of them, because the old brotherhood wrote it. And I go through the real meanings of the zodiac for the first time, not not the the stuff we have been taught to believe, which we love because it's mystifying. Right. But then to put the the higher ones believe it all means, and, and to them the zodiac is a time clock. It's, it's a perfect time clock. It's always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the spring doesn't wear down. It doesn't need a battery. Uh, so it's a perfect clock. In fact, in that speech of the New World Order, Bush Sr. referred to the, he- the divine heavenly plan. Everything was going to the divine heavenly plan. They never elaborated on what he meant. But what he meant was into the age of Aquarius, what it really means for the high elite. And he was talking about that's the time of the completion of, of the mission, um, uh, where they bring out a new type of human, uh, a new type of man. Um, and uh, you'd have world government and so on and everything would be, would be put in its proper what they think is its proper order 
with uh, the predatory elite having a natural open right to rule the lesser beings. But they also mean that the vast majority who have not evolved, that's all part of this Hinduistic type masonry, those who have not evolved enough, uh, the useless eaters, as uh, um, you find Bertrand Russell and others call them, were to be killed off they couldn't come through into the new age that's also part of Hindu philosophy uh, it's a strong belief in Hinduism um, which really is tied in with all of this and so they're to be killed off by all means possible uh, supposedly if they allowed inferior types to come into a new age a new beginning with the superior types the inferiors would bring down the, the, this new existence, this new world it wouldn't work uh, they call it waves of, uh, sometimes they call it waves of theosophy even from the theosophical movement so uh, this is a high, higher occultic um, knowledge that uh, the higher noble orders of masonry are allowed into knowing but it also goes into the fact that all the mainstream churches, the large ones, you'll find everybody at the top is a Freemason because they always give us good shepherds to follow in all ages. There's an old, old saying, goes way back. It said, in all ages, the proper people saw to it that the proper religion was taught to the, to the people below and the people below believed properly. It's very easy to create a religion and uh, and indoctrinate a generation and then let it take off. It will be repeated and repeated to their children and their children and they won't question it. So religion has been always been used for control reasons uh, in all ages. And there's no better example than that to look at um, India with the Brahmin structure, uh, a caste class system where depending on the caste you're born into it will dictate your, your, what you'll do for your whole life and how far you can go in that life it also tells you you can't help those who are fallen by the wayside on the street because you contaminate your own karma it's a, it's, a, it's a rather disgusting system when you can't help your fellow human beings because well that's their choice to come back and die like that you know um, that's a psychopathic way of looking at things and what we do have at the top of all of this is a, a psychopathic elite who are inbred worldwide every country has its own and, and they've all merged into one big club so it shouldn't surprise anyone really when they start to dig into this and understand it that you have what they call now a pathocracy um, generations of psychopathic inbreeding uh, who, who must always see a psychopath in a monetary system of profit and success that comes with it only the psychopath will be attracted to get up to the very tops and pinnacles of power because they crave power as an abnormal craving for dominance over others and so they, they naturally are the only ones who will always in any era with a money system climb up the ladder through any means possible and get rid of anyone in the way uh, they will always get up there and, and, and that's why we end up always uh, in every era with so much trouble um, in the world 
they, they always end up trying to kill off the lesser types. They don't like excess populations. It scares them if there's too many of the ordinary people. Um, and they want efficiency to serve them. And they will be the masters. This is the world that is not only envisaged, envisaged by them, it, it's the world they've written about. And they mean to go through with it. And they're using science to make it all happen. The sciences are so far ahead of what the public have been told about that they not only have the ability to make this happen, they've set up all, all the, the mechanisms to make it happen. They can do it. Yeah. So how far in advance would you say our, our government is? How far ahead of us from what we know of? About 50 years, maybe more? Oh, more. Much more. Uh, the, the science, you see, in the 1500s, for the first time, at least to the public's knowledge, um, a, a Freemasonic organization surfaced openly, and it was called the Rosicrucians. And um, they published their own manifesto. They always publish manifestos, uh, which are plans and purposes, and uh, 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 how they complete their agenda. And uh, John Dee was a member, for instance. Uh, he was an occultist, if you want to call it occultist, but he, he wrote mainly in code. That was his main function. Uh, Francis Bacon was another. But they talked about the sciences. And, and you'll notice from the 1500s, before the 1500s, nothing much changed in the world with technology. You had sailing boats, wind sails, you had horses and carts and so on. In the 1500s, there was a sudden push in to understand the laws of nature, meaning science and physics. And all these characters, John Dee and Bacon and so on, that worked for the British court, the royalty, the, the, the dominant minority, um, they all worked towards the sciences. And they said in their own writings that the public would never get access to the most advanced science because they will not. you can't hold on to power by sharing it, you see. So they'd always right. have to be so far ahead of every generation and they could pull amazing stunts off with science and the general public would say it must be an act of God because we don't have that ability to make that happen. That's how it works. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're far, far ahead. Now, Bacon, in the late 1500s, wrote a book called The New Atlantis. And that was part, an allegorical form, the setting up of the United States of America and how it would be run by what appeared to be a republic form of government for the people. But in reality, it would be run by secret groups of scientists. Now, he, that was published, I think, 1602. And um, he went through the whole thing to do with Freemasonry uh, that would run the system. But the public would never know that there was a brotherhood of these characters running and holding on to the reins of power. They, they would believe that a form of dem democracy or democratic republicanism. And he wrote, went through the whole agenda and how uh, the New Atlantis was there to basically bring the world together under a new system. He even taught in this old book from that long ago of how they would create uh, underground laboratories three miles deep and three miles within mountains, um, which the public would know nothing about where these laboratories do all these experimentations would happen. Now, 
I don't care how much of an imagination, uh, really an imagination someone had. Uh, to be a science fiction writer, science fiction, for instance, takes what is happening today, what's being worked on today, and you can uh, push it off into the future and, and say, well, that could go to, in this direction. In Francis Bacon's day, as I say, there were, there were horses and carts, wind sails, they were supposedly beginning on the laws of physics at that time, and yet he said in one of these underground laboratories in his book, he said um, they could grow and create any kind of vegetable. They could, they could make it up from the, the particular minute pieces of different vegetables and make any kind they wanted to. Today we call that genetic engineering. And then he said the same thing about animals. We can create any kind of animal we wish and know how the end product will look and be before we even well, put it together. More or less? Yeah. So, okay, so, you know, I, I had heard somebody else say that, uh, you know, you're kind of getting into the uh, transgenics thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I had heard they were trying to build the perfect warrior, you know, the, the mm-hmm. absolute perfect warrior for the army. Yeah. Now, what, what are the chances of that happening? Because, you know, once you start building people like that, uh-huh. um, what, what scares me is when you start creating things yeah. like that, you don't know how that mind is going to work. It's not so much that that's scary. It's the fact that that you will not be in charge of it as a member of well, the public. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're, you're you dealing know? with a, almost a machine there. Yeah. Yeah. And when they talk about, you know, cross cross bio, you know, when they when they want to take a, a rabbit and a person, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and and put them together. Well, what are they going to have a funny little tail? What what's going to be the deal with that? What happens when they decide to take? You know, mm-hmm. uh, an orangutan or an yeah. ape, and put it together with with a man to make this superior, strong mm-hmm. man, or a horse, or God knows what. Yes. You know, and and mixing all these chromosomes and stuff because their their mind is not going to work like a normal human's mind. Mm-hmm. There is no way. Mm-hmm. Well, well, if you did, you'd hear a lot of antidepressants because I'm sure you'd be depressed. You've got four legs. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is. This is what they're all doing, and no one asks, well, who gave them the authority, and and the money is a big thing, because scientists in a, uh, only research in the areas they're told to research in, because they're given the funding to do so. They, they don't say, I'd like to do this and find out how far I can go, and yet for the last almost 80 years, the big money has all been behind genetic research, not to help uh, children with cystic fibrosis or anything like that is to create create new types and different types of humans that would be good workers. And this has been published in, in um, books like Future Man and so on by scientific organizations. They plan to make what they call more perfected, efficient humans for specific tasks. So uh, the, the odd thing again is uh, this isn't a new idea. This is a very old idea, going back to the days of Plato, about 2,300 years ago. Because Plato, Plato, who also belonged to the aristocracy of his day, um, wrote the Republic, where he said, we, the elite, can, can basically breed humans the same way as animals. 
And if we want people to pick apples, we can breed tall people and interbreed them until we have tall people standardized. And if we want people to dig mines, we'll make them small and squat and sturdy. By, and just keep breeding them in, just like animals, just like domestic uh, dogs. And yeah, but that's scary because, you know, I had heard that they, they seriously want to mm-hmm. mix things. They, oh, everything's been mixed already. The food that you buy at the grocery store already has. Well, yeah, but I'm talking with people and chromosomes and not yeah. just, you know, oh, yeah. just mm-hmm. you know, humans, but like I said before, adding the, the animal into the thing and, yeah. and trying to create this, this warrior and, and all these scary things. And, yeah. I mean... I don't. I don't think that should be allowed. I'm sorry. Yeah, man. and, and you, well, you've hit it right on the on the on the head there. You see, we have no say in things. That's just it. We have no say in in where the allocation of these grants go, um, or to or who even authorizes them. Uh, we have no say in this whatsoever because the supposed experts have taken over this responsibility. They've been, they've been placed before us, these eugenicists that now call themselves bioethics committees, because eugenicists got a bad name after Hitler. So they changed their title. But it's the same bunch running the same thing with the same goal, to perfect all kinds of human life by mixing. And they see nothing wrong um, with, with uh, tampering with different kinds of, of life forms and mixing them together. They, they see nothing wrong with that. In fact, for a psychopath at the top, there is no right and wrong. That's why they love the theory of evolution. Things just are the way they are. Right and wrong is a moral judgment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but what, what I don't understand is, if they're allowing all this other stuff, why can't we do stem cell research? Why? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, even the stem cells is nonsense. And keep creating this human until it's, until it's way beyond anything you ever expected it to be, and now it's in control, but yet we can't do stem cell research. I don't understand. Uh, The stem cell research is a bit of a red herring. They're way beyond that. They give us things to quibble about down below here at this level, and people can sort of grab onto the topics the media gives them, and we argue about it. They're way beyond all of that. That's old, old stuff. That's old stuff. Okay. Yeah. That's old stuff. Yeah. Or, okay, but... Well, okay. I mean, I mean, most inoculations now, you see, at one time they used animals to breed right. the, the infections and so on that are going to semi-kill to inject it. Now they're using fetal tissue. Babies. They're using so baby that's, that's tissue. new stuff, the fetal, the fetal tissue? A, lo- a, lot of, a lot of it is, and it's getting pumped into us. And that technically is cannibalism. Think about yeah, it. Yeah, thanks. Yes, yeah. That's okay. right, yeah. So, okay, and with this, this fetal tissue that they're using, I assume this is from aborted fetuses. And that's what we're told. It's a huge business in that now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, yep. that's, that's the part that scares me right mm-hmm. there is, okay, are people getting pregnant and then being paid for mm-hmm. these babies so they can have fetal tissue? But I'm sure none of that is going to be actually spoken about since we couldn't do stem cell research. Mm-hmm. So what, I, what I'm curious about is with the fetal tissue, mm-hmm. what does it do? What is, what is the, the um, really, explain to me what, what we can do with fetal tissue. Well, the, the, what they're trying to tell the public, they need to, uh, 
stem cells that, that basically can be metamorphed, if you like, into other kinds. It's the building blocks that any other type of tissue can be made from. However, adults have them too. In fact, adult ones are better to be... So this whole baby thing is a red herring to get us all arguing over the issue, in fact, which they'll already give us the solution to down the road. Um, adult stem cells have been used for a while. In fact, some of the best-paid uh, footballers, if they damage, uh, say, say a, um, a, a part of their spinal column, a disc, if, if they, they destroy it, they can actually grow a new one for that guy. Now, you and I will never see that because you're not worth enough to earn enough money for your bosses. That's how it is. Oh, that's mean. <laughs> that's true. It's true. But if you, if, you, if, if, you can bring in, if you can bring in multi-millions for your boss, you're going to get the best treatment that the Joe Average is never going to even hear about. So, okay. So, with these adults, what are they called? Adult stem cells? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, and and because I'm not the brightest bulb on the tree, with these, does this person, I take it the person has to die for the other person to get their stem cell. No, you don't even need that at all. No, not at all. You can donate your stem cell. Well, in fact, it's even easier. I mean, if, if, if it's you that's injured, there's nothing better yeah. than the stem cell for you that will eventually be used and utilized to repair you. That's what the elite are getting. So I can use my own stem cell. That's right. There's no rejection problem, nothing. Yeah. Okay. And and so let's say that I had liver damage. Mm-hmm. And I needed I needed a new liver. Uh-huh. Are we going to be able to create me one with my they stem won't cell? For, they won't for you or I. No. Not for you. They can do it. They can let's do it now. I am this really famous movie star. Uh-huh. And I've got millions. I'm making twenty million dollars a movie, so mm-hmm. I can I can afford to do this. But is it possible with my own stem cell to create a new liver? It's possible. As I know, it's been done in higher levels. They'll do it. I mean, look at the big players in the field here that run across the world working for this agenda. They live forever. The Kissingers, the Maurice Strongs of this world. When they're in their 80s, they're still putting in 14, 15 hours a day of work. They never have a cold, a flu. They don't have any of the so-called aging diseases, arthritis and all the rest of it. No, they're running around all over the place, giving speeches and lectures. And These are the characters that get life extension. Because there's three levels of science and of any science. The one from professorship down is what the public know about and the professors. Some professors are brought into the second group that work for industrial military complex, and there's a higher group above them too. That's the three levels that are always coexisting. We are always told about obsolete stuff. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> it's like the flying saucers at Area 51. The BBC documented them taking off in, in the 1970s. They did a, a documentary special where you saw these craft coming out of underground hangars on a, a military, it's a military base. It's not an alien base, it's a military base. And, and uh, these were made here. Meanwhile, the CIA spinners went off into the media and said, oh, it must have come from out there somewhere. So they always give us a story for the public to be fascinated by, and, and it never clicks to them. No, we actually make them here. Sciences are way ahead of anything that you're told about. 
even the magazine racks are full of the stuff that's meant to keep you believing we're on the cutting edge of technology and they tell you all all that's happening that's how easily it works in reality they're way beyond anything they tell us way beyond yeah so let me ask you then do you believe in in aliens and UFOs? Well, I'll see the UFOs. UFO means unidentified flying object. I mean, right. It means that radar screens can't identify who owns it. But these, correct, these, correct. these black budget operations, yeah. Do you believe in ETs? Uh, ETs, now, it's a, a Masonic term. It means end times for, for the Christians. It means extraterrestrials for the New Agers, you see. Do you believe in extraterrestrials? Um, I don't believe in them because belief is a faith-based thing. Okay. okay. Now, now, there's a difference between faith-based. Uh, see, if it's faith-based, you must believe someone who's seen them. Right. If, if you saw them yourself, you'd have to say, I, I know it because I saw it. That's different from believing. Okay. You, you what, see? Do you, what do you think? Do they exist? Do they not exist? Well, until one comes down and tells us, uh, instead of channeling it to somebody, uh, there, there is no proof. There's no proof. Uh, a belief. Okay, well, uh, all beliefs. In Area 51, they have seen. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Blah, blah, blah. What, do you, what do you think of that? Oh, they're well paid by the CIA to put out disinformation. If you want to disinform the public from catching on to something, you give them a fantastic story. They've been doing this sort of stuff for a long time. And, and these authors are paid to do this. The CIA admitted to put guys out in the 60s that said they'd been abducted by aliens. Some of them even went on fantastic rides with their friends and across the galaxy. And they gave lectures in halls across the country. And they were paid by the CIA to do it. Yeah. Okay. Will you give us, let, us, let us, the listeners of the show know one more time, where can we find you on the web and information that you have out there? Okay, they can look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, net, and a few other ones. And they can also see me at Alan Watt Sentient Sentinel EU. Uh, and there's lots of information, lots of free information, which they can go and check on themselves and uh, come to the conclusions they will come to. Okay, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. You are listening to the Carrie Stone Show on 1.fm, the Paranormal Channel. Welcome back to the Carrie Stone Show. The show's been live tonight. It's April 17th and uh, 6.52 p.m. Central Time. And don't forget, now, from now on, the show will be airing from 5 to 7 every night, Monday through Friday, Central Time. And pretty soon, if not tomorrow, from what I understand, it will be repeating from 11 to 1 during the day, like what it used to for my live show. So we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed, and uh, I know Lou's got some things to do on his end to make that happen, but um, it'll happen. It will. So I have, I have no doubt about that. Um, you're always welcome to come over to the chat room during the show or any other time, and you can always use the chat room here at... Uh, TheCarrieStoneShow.com Carrie spelled C-A-R-I Right now I have Alan Watt with me here on the show Alan, welcome back to the show Yeah, I'm glad to be here yeah. I am really glad to have you here And, uh, you know, you we've got some people in the chat room I, I was just told that hopefully someday I will realize what an honor it is to speak with you 
I already know what an honor it is to speak with you. You're a great guy. I'm having a great time with you. You don't have to grovel. You don't have to grovel. No. <laughs> you know, I, is you checking the mail now, or? Pardon? Uh, no, I'm not checking the mail at all. I got one one phone line. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm up in the boonies here. I got I got rabbit ears on my television set. Mm. Oh, you're cute. Okay, so. Give us your uh, website one more time. Okay. Um, where we can find you and all your information and tell them kind of what's on there. Yeah. Go through to cuttingthroughthematrix.com or sentient and you'll see the books for sale where I go through uh, the, his- the, the histories and so on. The occult stuff which should be straight in your face. I explain it so that you can't miss it. Uh, I show you in a gestalt form how to deprogram yourself how you see what's there that you haven't noticed before. And the third book, I go through the history of uh, basically the pathocracy, the money system, who controls it for thousands of years, why it works for them and why they can't lose it because they control the money, they make the money. Um, and I give you the history of slavery, etc., and all of its forms up to the present form, which is just a, a more sophisticated form of slavery, as Galton Darwin talked about. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you have it. Thank you again for being on the show. I have really enjoyed speaking with you, Alan. I've had a great time with you tonight. Thank you for being here. My pleasure is mine.